Good morning, New Life Church. My name's Brian, and I am the online campus pastor here at New Life Church. And while I'm sad that uh, Pastor Troy uh, couldn't be bringing you the word this morning because he's sick uh, sick with this uh, COVID-19 virus, um, I am very honored to be able to bring to you the word of God this morning. And uh, I truly believe he's got something special for us. Uh, If we can just uh, tune our heart to his and open our ears and listen to what he has to say to us. And uh, I want to do a what I would call is a, a foundational message for the church, uh, something that's very simple, but something that uh, is something that enough of us aren't doing well enough that I think it, it it warrants us to talk about it. And I believe that God has placed this message on my heart for such a time as this for for the people who are watching this video right right now. I believe it. You need this this morning. And, and, you know, when we launched this church nine years ago, can you believe nine years ago in 2011, we launched this church um, as an executive team, uh, Pastor Troy, Pastor Trinity, and myself, we, we decided on nine values that would define New Life Church. Uh, you know, we wanted to pare it down, make it simpler, but we just couldn't take away any of these nine values. It was just all of them were that important. You know, they, these values that we came up with, these nine values, uh, they're at the base of every single decision that we make as a church. They're at at the base of every ministry that we run at this church. And, and we believe that these nine values should be at the core of every single person that calls New Life Church their home. So today we're going to be covering only uh, one of those because covering all nine would just take a really, really long time. And we don't want a super long message today. We want you to be able to enjoy time with your family. But so we're just going to be covering one of these values in particular today. But I thought it would be good for all of us to know exactly what our nine values are, which by the way, these nine values, they're on our website, newlifeca.church. If you uh, want to read over them after this morning's uh, gathering video is done, you can always go there and review them or see them anytime throughout the week uh, if you want to just remind yourself of, of the nine values. But um, I wanted to cover and just just review all nine of those values really quick, all right? So here are the nine values that we live by here at New Life Church. We are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. What that means is that we're never going to insult God with small thinking or safe living. We're going to put it all out on the table and give it our all for the mission of Jesus Christ. The second value is we are all about the capital C church. That doesn't mean New Life Church is the church. That's not what it means at all. It means that the local church is the hope of the world and that we know that we can accomplish infinitely more together than we ever could apart. Amen? Amen. The third one is that we give up things we love for things that we love even more because it's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. The next value is that we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. This is such a great value. And that just means that to reach people that no one is reaching, we're going to have to do things that no one is doing. Amen? The next value is that we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We are a church of irrational givers this morning. The next value is we will laugh hard, loud, and often because nothing is more fun than serving God with people that you love. And uh, it's 
Serving looks a whole lot different right now that we're a digital church uh, for the time being, uh, but serving at your your whatever campus you go to, there's nothing more fun than serving people with serving with people that you love at your campus. It's just it's fulfilling, isn't it? It's really fulfilling. The next one is that we always bring our best because we believe that love is in the details, the minute things, the small things that we think go unnoticed. Those are the biggest ways that we can show love to other people and to bring our best. Next one is that we are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. That means that this church does not exist for us, but we are the church and we exist for the world. Amen? And, and that's eight values, but there's one more. There's one more value, and it's the one that we're going to be focusing on this morning, and that value is this. We will honor Christ and his church with integrity. If we live with integrity, nothing else matters. If we don't live with integrity, nothing else matters. And just so that we're on the same page, and in case you're asking yourself maybe, what exactly is integrity? I want you to go ahead and watch this video. Integrity. Integrity, said author C.S. Lewis, is doing the right thing even when no one is looking. Integrity is a foundational moral virtue and the bedrock upon which good character is built. Acting with integrity means understanding, accepting, and choosing to live in accordance with one's principles, which will include honesty, fairness, and decency. A person of integrity will consistently demonstrate good character by being free of corruption and hypocrisy. Integrity is revealed when people act virtuously regardless of circumstance or consequences. This often requires moral courage. Indeed, Integrity is the critical connection between ethics and moral action. Integrity at its simplest just means the state of being whole and undivided. And that's the, the title of the message today is undivided. That means that you, you aren't one way here and another way here. You don't act a certain way with these people, but act another way with these other people. Uh, you know, you aren't divided. You are who you are no matter where you find yourself or who you find yourself with. That is what integrity is. So let me ask uh, the kids and the youth who are watching this, um, do you act a certain way when you're with your friends that you would never do in front of your parents? Now, you don't have to answer that out loud because chances are your parents are sitting right next to you, but just think about your answer to that question. You know, it, you know if, if your answer to that is yes, I do act differently with my friends than I do with my parents, then integrity is something that you need to work on in your life. Now, Adults, you're not off the hook. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you put on a nice face for the people at church, but when you get home, you become another person? If that is yes for you, then integrity is something that you need to work on in your life. And I would wager to say that almost 100% of us, if we're honest with ourselves, need to deal with integrity in our life. First Chronicles 29:17 says this. It says, "I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there." 
Do you do you want to know how I know that integrity has become a character trait that is overlooked and that many people don't have it anymore? You want to you want to know how I know there is indisputable evidence for this. All right, um, everybody and everything needs a contract today. Just think about it. Every, everything needs a contract. Oh, you want to get a cell phone that's reliable? Yeah, you know, we don't trust you enough to stick with us. So, so you need to sign this contract that says you're going to stay with us for at least two years. And, and by the way, this should just be a given, but you have to pay for it, right? You have to sign your name on a contract that says that you're going to do all that. Oh, you, you want to live somewhere? That's something that you want to do? Here, sign this lease contract by saying that you're going to pay us this much money every single month because you know what? We don't trust you to just do that out of the goodness of your heart anymore. So it's required that you put your signature on this page legally stating that you won't miss a payment. There's no honor system anymore in today's society. Everything is a contract. Oh, oh, you want to buy a car, huh? Here, sign this contract saying that you're going to pay this amount every month or we get to take the car back. That's how it's going to work. You know, we don't trust you enough that you're just going to pay every month. So, you know, legally, you got to sign here on the dotted line uh, so that you're contractually obligated to pay. Even though it's the right thing to do, we just, we don't trust you to do it. So, oh, by, by the way, in order to have this car, you, you also have to sign a contract for us that says you're going to carry insurance on the car at all times. So, so you head over to the insurance company, right? Oh, oh, you want insurance for your car? Well, here, sign this contract that says you'll pay this fee every month and that if an accident happens, you know, we'll cover this cost, but only after you pay a certain amount, then we'll cover the rest of it. You got to pay up a little bit first, even though you're paying monthly, right? Oh, you got in an accident? Well, shoot. Here, sign on this line. Say that you won't sue the other person because it obviously was your fault, right? Also, sign this contract from the police saying that the report that you gave about the incident is 100% true because if it isn't, you could go to jail because you lied. Because again, we don't trust anyone to tell the truth anymore. You guys understand that? Do you see how integrity just isn't a part of our society anymore? Did you know that there was a point in history where there were no written contracts? It never used to be a thing. Handshake deals were common and people trusted each other. You know, those days, they no longer exist. Do you see kind of where society has gone and where we have gone without integrity. No one has integrity anymore. No one trusts that someone else's word is their word. Now, there's a powerful uh, story in the Bible about a man uh, with tremendous integrity. And you've probably heard it before, heard about this guy's name. His name is Job. And I want you guys to go ahead and turn to the book of Job in your Bible right now. And as you turn there, let me describe Job to you as you're turning there. Job is a wealthy man. He's a very, very rich man. And he's living in a land called Oz uh, with Dorothy and Toto. Um, Oh, wait, shoot, nope, sorry. Wrong story, wrong story. He's not living in the land of Oz. He, He lived in the land of Uz, not Oz. And uh, he, he had a, a large family and he had what the Bible says are extensive flocks. Now, that might not sound very impressive, but back in his day, the larger the flocks you had, the richer you were. That's how wealth was accumulated back then. So let's pick up our description of Job by reading the first verse 
in the book of Job, all right? Job 1.1 says this. It says, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. So right off the bat, we find out that Job is described as a guy who has integrity. He was blameless, upright. He feared God and he didn't do evil. He was a man of his word who always chose to do the right thing. And as we go through this story, through the story of Job, we're, we're going to discover three things that are going to try to rob you of your integrity, just like they tried to rob Job of his integrity. Okay, so the story of Job is this. One day, Satan, who in this story is called the accuser, he appears before God in heaven. And God is boasting to Satan about Job's goodness. He's just bragging on this guy. But Satan argues that Job is only good because God has blessed him abundantly. Because remember, he was very wealthy, had a whole family, and he was just doing really well in life. Now, Satan challenges God that, that if God were to give Satan permission to punish the man, that Job would eventually turn and curse God. That was the deal that Satan struck up. And God allows Satan to torment Job to test this bold claim of Satan that he would turn away from God. But he tells Satan that the only thing that he can't do is take Job's life. It's the one thing he can't do. So in the course of, you know, God agrees to all these terms, Satan agrees to these terms, and, and in the course of one day, and I, I just want to emphasize that what I'm about to tell you in this story happens in one day. Job receives four messages, each of them bearing different but bad news. The first message is that the Sabaeans took Job's oxen and donkeys and they killed his servants who were with them. Just think of that as like stealing money because remember, wealth back then was how big your flocks were. The second message says that fire from heaven burned up Job's sheep and his servants who were with them. This is not good news. This is all happening in one day. He gets these two messages. Then the third message, the Chaldeans, they took Job's camels and they killed his servants who were with them. That's three terrible things that happened in a row. And then finally, the nail in the coffin is this fourth message for Job. And it's this, a great wind has killed all 10 of Job's children by causing his oldest son's house to collapse on them when they were all inside. What a terrible, terrible message for a father to receive that day. Remember, all of this happens to Job in a single day. Talk about a horrific day. I bet you've had a bad day too, and you know exactly what Job is feeling and going through. Now, remember, Satan had a lot writing on how Job responds to this catastrophe in his life. So, so let's see exactly how Job handles it, all right? We're looking at Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, and it says this, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. 
In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Wow. I mean, holy cow, right? I I wish that I could say that I have the inner integrity to respond how Job responded. You know, I strive to be that close in my relationship with God. So so what's, what's the first thing that will try to rob you of your integrity? If you're taking notes, this would be really good to write down. The first thing that will try to rob you of your integrity is your circumstances, the things that are going on around you. You know, even through tremendous loss, Job kept his integrity. You know, when most of us would abandon God and say that God caused all of this, what did Job do? Job worshiped God. Now listen, everyone, integrity means that you stick with what you believe even when everything is crumbling around you. So everything is crumbling around Job and Satan decides to go talk with God again. These four things that happened, the four messages that Job received, they weren't enough for Satan. He wanted to go further. So he wants another shot to get Job to turn away from God because Job had done the exact opposite of that with this first part. And God agrees and Satan afflicts Job with horrible skin sores. Oof, here's a picture of skin sores. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you guys. Some of you guys are turning away from your TVs right now, or your phones right now. You're like, I can't see that. I don't wanna see that. I'm eating right now, and what I'm eating, I'm sure looks like a skin sore. I'm not gonna show you a picture of it, and I probably will just stop saying the word skin sore because that is probably bothering a lot of you guys. But if it's bothering us, just know how, how much is that bothering Job, right? So let's pick up in verse nine and 10. Job uh, chapter two, verses nine and 10 says, his wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Man, what's the second thing that's going to try to rob you of your integrity? The people closest to you. His wife, his own wife, who he had had 10 kids with, encouraged him to curse God and to give up and die. But Job refuses, right? And although Job, he's still struggling to accept his circumstances. It's very difficult to accept circumstances like that. It's terrible. It, It would be a hard pill to swallow, right? To accept that all of this is happening to you at the same time. And so after all of this, after his wife tells him to curse God and die, up walk three of Job's closest friends, his best friends in the whole world, come to his comfort. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They come to visit him, and get this, they sit in silence with Job for seven days out of respect for his mourning. That is some dedicated friends right there. How many of you guys can say that your friends, when you were going through something tremendous, came and just sat with you for a week before they ever told you to do anything and just were there with you? Those are dedicated friends right there that Job has. And on the seventh day, Job finally speaks. And so begins a conversation in which each of these men share their thoughts on Job's trouble. 
And so Eliphaz, he believes that Job's agony uh, must be due to some sin that Job has committed. And he urges Job to seek God's favor because of the sin that he's committed, whatever it is. And Bildad and Zophar, they, they agree that Job must have committed evil to offend God's justice. And they argue that he should strive to exhibit more blameless behavior. Even though what's the first thing we read about Job? He was upright and blameless in verse, uh, chapter one, verse one in, in his own book. And, and you know, Bildad, he believes that, that Job's children brought their deaths upon themselves. Can you imagine going through such agony and hearing that statement from one of your best friends? It's like a dagger to the heart. Now, even worse, Zophar says that whatever wrong Job was, uh, has done, it probably deserves greater punishment than what he's already received. As if what's going on hasn't been enough for Job. So they went from committed friends to complete jerks. You know, I, I imagine it took Job a few minutes to regain his composure after everything that his friends have been saying to him. But when Job finally responds to his friends, he says this in Job chapter 13, verse four. You, however, smear me with lies. You are worthless physicians, all of you. And so what's the third thing that's gonna try to rob you of your integrity? Your peers, the people that are around you. Another friend of Job's, Elihu, suddenly enters the conversation. He's all of a sudden there. And the young Elihu believes that Job has spent too much energy defending himself rather than God. And Elihu also assumes that Job must be wicked to be suffering as he is. And he thinks that Job's excessive talking is an act of rebellion against God. And God finally has enough and he interrupts this whole conversation and he's calling from this whirlwind and demanding Job to be brave and respond to the questions that God is about to ask him. Now, God's questions, they're rhetorical, uh, meaning that God just wants Job to, to think about the answers and not actually answer the questions out loud. And, you know, God, he was intending to show just how little Job knows about creation and how much power God alone has. And he's, he's overwhelmed by this encounter and Job acknowledges God's unlimited power and he admits the limitation of his human knowledge. Job is being put through the ringer. And, but this response, you know what it does? It pleases God. He does a really good job of answering these questions, but, but he's upset. God's upset with Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar for speaking terrible advice to Job. You know, I want you to see how Job responds though. Uh, you know, because God is upset with Job's friends um, and Job, because of everything that his friends said to him, had every right to be upset with them as well, right? Now, if he was like us, he would have just let God do what, what he wanted to, you know, smite them, God, take them out. I am not in the mood to be with these people. But what does Job have? Job has integrity. 
So Job instead, he pleads on their behalf and God forgives them. Why? Because when you have integrity, nothing can shake it. The book of Job is, it's a really sad book in the Bible, but but it does have a very happy ending. You know, since Job remained faithful to God because of his integrity, God returns Job's health to him. He provides him with twice as much property as he had before. He gives him new children and he blesses Job with an extremely long life. Job walked away from his circumstance more blessed than he was to begin with. And he was very blessed to begin with. Here at New Life, I don't know about you, but I know about me. Here at New Life, we want to be like Job. We want to honor Christ and his church with integrity. You know, when we live with integrity, nothing else matters because, because we don't care what other people think about us. You know, we're going to do what's right every time because that's what God wants from us. And if we don't live with integrity, then nothing else matters because you know what? We're going to choose to do whatever we want because there's no pressure to always do the right thing. People don't expect it from you anyways because you don't have integrity. So my question to you is, do you want to be a light to the lost people that God has placed around you? You need integrity to do that. You need to always stand up for what's right. Even when uh, things don't go the way that you want them to or the way you think they should. Even when your best friends or your family or your boss or co-workers look down on you for standing up for your beliefs, you need to stand up for Jesus because he has called you to live a life of integrity And that's who we are at New Life Church. You know, following Jesus as the Lord of your life is difficult. Life presents you with with so many options to choose integrity or to choose to back away from Jesus. You know, it's it's just too much for us in our humanity. but, But when the Holy Spirit enters into our heart, he gives us the supernatural ability to have integrity every hour of every day. And if you want that power in your life, the power to be a person full of integrity, then it's time to ask Jesus to come into your heart and to do an overhaul. Not just a little bit of work, but an overhaul in your life. Whether you've never declared that you'll follow Jesus or maybe you've already declared that you're a follower of Jesus, this morning God is presenting you with an opportunity to follow him with your whole heart, having undivided loyalty to your Savior regardless of the consequences. That's what I want to be, and that's what I want for you, and that's what God wants for our church. So as you take the next few minutes to decide if you really want to follow Jesus with your whole life, that you want to hold nothing back, then we're going to start to sing a song of victory. And this song, this, this song might have been recorded at a previous gathering, but I believe it's just as powerful for us today to sing these words and to declare them over our lives and over the lives of our families and over the lives of other people that are watching this video with us. This song is powerful. So wherever you are, no shame, 
put your shame to the side and you get into a posture of worship and let's declare victory over the evil things in our life and over the sin in our life and over the lack of integrity in our life. Let's declare victory through a life led by integrity. Let's sing.
God, we thank you so much that you have chosen to be with us this morning. God, we thank you for the word that you have spoken to us this morning. I pray that it would not return void, but the people that heard your word would put your word into action, God. That we wouldn't be okay with living um, integrity-less lives, but God, would you fill us through your Holy Spirit with integrity to do what's right every single time, every hour of every day. Because God, you never take a vacation on doing good. You always do good because you are good. You always tell the truth because you are truth. So God, would you implant that power into our lives, not through our own efforts, but through the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you give us the ability to live life with integrity every hour? of every day. We pray all of these things in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. God bless you, new lifers. We'll see you next Sunday.